if you're an investor or want to become an investor, you want to learn about different asset classes and why investors have chosen those asset classes, then you want to listen to How to Acquire Podcast. You can go right now to How to Acquire Podcast and listen to the first season, and now we're in the second season. This episode is actually a bonus episode of a recent episode that we had on How to Acquire where we actually sat down and went through an entire private placement and learning about what to look for as an investor. And also, if you're trying to put out a offering to the general public, what all is entailed. So on this episode, you'll hear from Joanna Jane. She's an economic change agent, and she's also a developer uh, in Philadelphia and Baltimore. And you're going to learn about her journey. And through her journey, you're going to learn how to acquire okay i'm really excited about this conversation and without further ado let's join the conversation already in process We are back for another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast, and I'm excited about this conversation. This isn't my first time speaking with our guests. We actually spoke uh, last year on Black Equity Podcast. Uh, we'll have that link in the show notes. Um, but I'm really excited because now we're actually able to speak on the How to Acquire side, where we're going to be diving deeper into, uh, I guess, the mind of an investor, the mind of a developer. What does it all mean? Uh, what, what questions do you have to go through in your mind? How do you make sure you get everything prepared so then you can present information publicly uh, to be able to attract investors, uh, in, uh, attract stakeholders? So many different questions. And I'm really excited uh, for this conversation. Joining me today is Joanna Jane. Welcome to How to Acquire. Thank you, DJ. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I'm very excited about this. For those who don't know, about your story. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, <laughs> just a little bit. Okay. And then also uh, how we kind of got here today as far as the conversation. Sure. So um, I am the CEO and founder of O'Hara Developments. We are a community focused development organization. And we um, actually are looking at a primarily residential and some commercial, but primarily resident residential renovations. And we do that in urban neighborhoods to help reduce vacant houses and vacant lots. Uh, we also have a nonprofit CDC that manages more of our like adopt a lots where we, you know, just clean up the trash, we keep it free of any type of hazardous waste. Um, and one of our lots actually in the Baltimore area, we're uh, converting that to a, a local community park. So our organization um, really touches on things that are missing or needs to be strengthened in urban neighborhoods, which also include financial literacy workshops or we, what we like to call financial wellness workshops, as well as providing housing and financial counseling services, some for our own homeowners that will actually go through those programs and take advantage of some of our down payment assistance that we've been able to uh, put together for our future home buyers uh, as well. So that's a little bit about what we're doing and how we operate. So everything that we do is with the people 
and for the people. Uh, how we got here today is because we have recently for our staple project in Baltimore, we have decided um, to take it to the next level and do something that is not often heard of in urban neighborhoods where it's being promoted to the people that also live right there or to the people that can really like relate, I should say, to the people that are in that neighborhood, right? So what we did, we took it to the next level after securing housing, after you know providing the wellness workshops, we're now providing investment opportunities so people can actually be a part of what's taking place so they can have ownership in the project itself. So um, that's what we're doing here. And we know that it's something that people are like, what? Like you, you bought the block or for that matter, I feel like almost a neighborhood at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're educating the people and you're giving them options to invest now. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. If we want to really be able to increase access in urban neighborhoods and break ceilings of black wealth barriers, we have to provide these opportunities and other cultures have been doing it for God knows how long. So it's our time to be able to promote it and do it the right way as well. Joanna, I know you're stopping by uh, How to Acquire Today to kind of break down for an investor what to look for when they're looking at uh, opportunities, what, what do some terms mean, what certain definitions may be. And I really wanna dive into that. I just have one or two questions before we dive into that. You talk about uh, it being about we and making sure that everybody has the proper information. And it's, this is on the tip of my tongue. Could I feel like I see a lot of investors and it's all about them, mm. right? This person raised this amount of money or they're doing this project over there. But when I'm speaking with you, I always feel like it's about the community. It's about all of us. And I, you know, we can't do this unless all of us are a part of this. Where did you get that mindset as an investor? <laughs> well, part of it is ingrained in me because of my, my childhood upbringing with my dad. Um, that's how I saw him operate with some of his tenants. It wasn't just about him collecting the rent. It was about also what Miss So-and-so was going through, maybe just having an extra conversation and listening. What do they need, right? It was not always putting money before value. Um, where I'm a very value-based person. And then you add on the fact that I have a master's in social work and a master's in counseling. I'm very much about things being person-centered. Sometimes in the clinical field, they call it client-centered. For me, it's community-focused. So if the community isn't prospering, I don't think I'm doing my job as, as a true community developer. If I'm not hearing what are, what's needed by the people that's actually living there, by the city officials that are truly, let's be clear, for the people, if I'm not even listening to them and taking that into consideration in our development plans, then who am I really building for? I must be just thinking about myself at that matter. That's not what we want to do. So we know when the community is heard and they're at least somewhat involved, um, there's also a certain level of support. I tell people that I probably, you know, for our Baltimore project, which is our staple one, and, and people will hear me talk about that a lot as we're still expanding in, in other cities, um, Baltimore is our, is our largest project. I tell people I have, um, I have security better than, better than ADT. Vivint <laughs> and any other alarm system because I have folks that really look out for us. You know, they yeah. want to make sure that people are not breaking into our buildings and all that type. I mean, I've gotten text messages in the middle of the night. I, I saw something. I saw a light. <laughs> Who's over, you know, over there? I'm like, hey guys, we're just working late. No worries. You know, it's right. us. 
you know, but that comes from building relationships and it's nothing like building relationships with, with your community. So when I go out to the, to, to the neighborhood or as we say around the way, you know, in Philly, you know, whoever's sitting out on the stoop takes nothing to say, hi, hello, what's up? How you doing? Have a conversation. You know, how are you feeling? You know, I had a conversation with a gentleman the other day that I realized we've had several community events. Some have been led by O'Hara developments and some that haven't. And he doesn't come. And I said, hey, like, what's up with that? He was like, well, I mean, that's the block behind me. Y'all don't ever come and do something on this specific block. Mm. I said, hmm, okay. And technically the block behind us has like eight new modular homes. So that kind of feel like, well, that's really for the new people. That's not really for the legacy residents that are living here. Right. So I, I said, okay, I get it. So in my head, it said, Next event, it'll be actually on this block. But I did tell him, you know, that was a teachable moment. And Sharon likes, hey, some of the people that attend these events, that's right in your backyard, literally. Mm-hmm. These are the people that you can share your voice with. Tell them what you need. These are some of your city officials. These are some of your neighborhood association board members. So we also can't complain, but then don't show up. And he was like, yeah, Mr. Joanna, you're right. You're right. I got to show up. I got to show up. So I use it as a twofold to take a note in my page as a, as a leader, but also as an educational moment that we have to show up in these spaces too. I love that. I love that. Uh, sometimes people don't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Right. Right. And so I, I love that because when you do that next event, he's going to remember that, mm-hmm. you know, you had that conversation and you thought about what he was saying. You took his advice. Um, I think that's going to be very powerful. Yeah. Thank you. So you're welcome. Uh, so I want to jump into how you're in Baltimore, you're working on this project, and you've made, you've opened it up to investors to be able to um, invest in the project. Mm-hmm. Now, I know me saying that, <clears throat> I know me saying that sentence sounds simple. <laughs> how, how many steps are in that process to be able to open uh, the project up to investors? It's several steps. I don't know if I could put <laughs> all of them, but I will tell people that this is not your, let me tell you the three tips to going ahead and, you know, it, it's not, it's not that. And right. I say that because I think sometimes, and I get it, you know, some of us that are public figures and we have these different platforms and we're offering classes and books, We want this to look simple. And part of it is because we want people to know that this is something that you need to be considering. At the same time, I don't want to give people the 52 fake out and say it's super simple. And then you get in it and you're like, Joanna, Janie, tell me what's going to be all of this. This is a lot, (laughs) you know? So it's it's definitely several steps. And I would want to say for us, putting everything together at the same time, running an organization, Mm. it can take, anywhere in my personal opinion three to six months to do something like this thoroughly now if you have an organization you're at the level where you have full admin support a, a solid solid team and you don't ever have to show up basically like you're at that level it may be something that you could probably knock out you know within a couple months mm-hmm. and that's cool and you may be doing it from the beach but today we're talking about people that are doing this really from the muscle where they're balancing out work life, 
personal at you know at home and on top of that they still have to show up on site like it could take you a few months and quite honestly I would say take the months that it needs to put these things together because it also has a price tag to this and you may not have all the money up front to just go ahead and pay that 20 30,000 to an attorney to just go ahead and package this thing and make it look make it look pretty and put a bow tie on it. You know, if you're in that position, I mean, great, go ahead and do it. But, you know, I would say for us to do what we're doing, it took us about, about four to six months, um, ultimately, and, and just doing what we could every step of the way, but knowing that we had a plan in mind. So, that's that's what I would say in regards to the time frame of what it could potentially, you know, look like. And everybody's time frame is different. You know, what also plays into your time frame is how long do you have site control over your properties? If the properties are already purchased and you're only looking for investors to come in for construction, there's a number of things that can go into that time frame of preparation. But I will say that for someone that's coming in relatively brand new they're trying to you know balance out the books they may not have all the startup money to to get that going in regards to bringing in the professionals that are needed to put together a proper um, memorandum and all the other things that are needed give yourself grace that's Mm. what i would say i think you've uh you're the perfect person in the right position to have the next step of this conversation because I really want our audience of investors and future investors to be able to know, well, what, what do I look for mm-hmm. when uh, I'm looking at a potential opportunity? Because mm-hmm. uh, so many people are saying, invest in this, invest in this, invest in this. And they're not really even taking the time to even show exactly, well, you know, what am I investing in? Or, you know, is this the type of investment that would fit my investor profile? Yes. Or do I even have an investor profile? Um, so I really want, uh, since you've gone through the process, I really want to learn from you today, um, exactly what should an investor be looking for, especially during, uh, the, like an investor call or, uh, these, uh, public, uh, conversations about investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. What should an investor be looking for? I want to kind of go through that journey okay. and also while we're going through it, learn how you learned about it. You know, um, maybe there was something that that popped up and and you found out, wow, I never even knew about this. Mm -hmm. So I want to learn about that journey, if if that's okay. No, that's totally fine. So we'll talk about this from what an investor should look for um, for a moment. And then at some point, we'll wrap back around and we'll talk about the person that's actually providing the opportunity, what that looks like, because that process is a little bit different. Um, So I would say from an investor, a potential investor, what you want to look for is attention to detail. That is very, very important. And when I say attention to detail, I mean that this organization or individual has taken the time to do a proper market analysis. Before we get into the cost of the house, of of the construction, I need to know what this market is, what's happening here because it doesn't matter how many bedrooms or how many units that building has. If I don't understand the market, I don't even know where I'm investing. So as a potential investor, you should, you're, you, whoever is providing you that opportunity, you should be seeing things about transportation. 
in the area about um, job growth at this point, especially where a lot of people are thinking about, you know, being very green and being very cautious of our environment. Is it, is it walkable? Is there, you know, bike lanes, scooter lanes? What are those options? What are the parking opportunities there? Um, you know, other things that you're, you're going to take into consideration with that analysis is also the, the comps. What are other options happening that look like this? Like what's happening with those as well? Like, are there sell points relatively, you know, the same? Is this something that where this particular developer is actually creating the market? And if they are creating the market, how are they controlling their cost to be able to do this? So I would start there with looking at those type of details when you're considering, you know, um, an opportunity to really invest. Uh, the next thing is as an investor, know why, know your why in investing because you can invest in anything. I mean, you can go right now and hop on E-Trade or any other platform and invest in anything. There's all types of things that you can invest in. So you know why you're investing because you cannot compare investing in Apple versus investing in a real estate project. Yeah. Are you investing because you're looking to diversify your portfolio because you've already done your max, you know, at your job, you've probably, you know, have, you know, a, have a Roth or you've already done all the, all the things that people were considered to the right thing to do, I would say, mm -hmm. but maybe you're looking for something else that can give you um, a higher yield in return, or maybe you could be able to look for something that's going to give you back money a little bit sooner than when you finally hit, you know, retirement age, you have to know your why as an investor, because if you try to compare the returns from a real estate deal to uh, investing in, in, a, in the stock market, those are two different things. The whys of that is very different. So you have to know why am I even looking to invest in stuff like this, because it'll help it um, not get, you know, mushed with all the other stuff that you may be, may be looking at. The other thing that I would say to an investor with no risk, there's no reward. So yesterday I had an investor call and I'll explain what that is later. And a gentleman asked me, you know, so if I invested, you know, $10,000 in your project and it doesn't work out, I lose $10,000, right? I said, yes, that's the truth. Right. We do not guarantee anything in the financial industry. And that also includes real estate. As an equity investor, if you lose, I'm also losing. So right. don't invest is what I'm saying, money that you can't afford to lose. But also know with no risk, there is no reward. Right. So if you only just put a couple crumbs just to see what may happen, that's great. You got your toe wet. It felt good. But if your partner or someone that you happen to know decided to take a bigger leap of faith and invested more and their returns look different than yours, you can't say that the project didn't work. You can't say, oh, this was a bad investment. No, what you invested is just a different number than what the other person invested. Therefore, their dividends will look different when it's returned, whether it be annually or semi-annually. If there's a profit share at the end, their profit share will look different because they had a greater stake in that project. So as an investor, you do have to understand what type of investor you are and what's your purpose behind investing. Some people are 
totally fine. They're already diversified, but they may just be looking to support a minority owned business. They may be, maybe just be looking to do something that makes them feel good. Like they see, you know, um, a young developer and they're like, oh, wow, like I want to get behind this person. This is doing great. He's doing great work. I'm going to invest five, $10,000, whatever it may be. You just have to know what your reason is and never, ever invest money that you need to pay your day-to-day expenses. Don't invest that type of money. This should be money that, you know, maybe you can afford to diversify from your retirement accounts. This should be money that even if it's sitting in personal accounts, like easy access in the bank, that this is not money that you need to pay your mortgage. Because once the offering is closed and the commitment is made and you sign your name, that money is in that project for the agreed upon timeframe, period. Unless there is, you know, some clauses there that um, the the developer or the person that's controlling the offering has stated is a way that you can be able to get out if need be. But most of the time, you know, once it's locked in, it's it's, it's locked in. I think that's a very important factor. I know there's been a lot of talk about that in the past where people were investing in projects and they thought they'll be able to get their money back uh, faster than they they. Um, they initially initially happened. So they would put their money in and then a year would go by and they saw no movement or two years have gone by. And so they, they, uh, they started becoming disgruntled. Mm-hmm. And when I saw these types of things happening, I said, oh, that's because something wasn't explained on the front end. Yes. If you explain it on the front end, there's no way they would be asking for their money back within six months. And that's a lack of education. And mm-hmm. so how does someone know that they're being properly educated uh, when they're walking into a particular opportunity? So I would say the way that you know that you're being properly educated is the questions that you're being, that you want to ask are being answered. Like you right. should go in with a certain amount of questions that you need to know, that you need to know the answers to, regardless of whatever the returns may be. So like whether they're giving you 15%, 8.5%, what are the questions that are burning in your soul that you need to know, regardless of how much the minimum is, if you know that having information on if I get returns on by month six is important to you, then that should be a question on your list. If you know that you want to um, uh, understand, you know, how the profit is shared. And if that's something that you get an option to write it down, whatever those questions are for you, write them down. So that way, when you go to their offering page, or if you go to their investor call or investment presentation, you can ask, you know, those questions. Another thing that I would say for people is, you know, um, talk to people that have also done these type of investments as well. Um, you want to make sure that you're that you're learning up, not down, not the other way around. So if right. this person, if you are with a group of some people that maybe they've done this before and this is your first time and you're uncomfortable, you don't know who this person is that's offering you this opportunity, talk to other people that have done it and have them give you some guidance on some basic questions that you should be able to ask. But really what you want to know is, you know, when are you getting your returns? Are you being paid throughout the project? When is the first time? When can I start to expect some type of payment? And then you also want to talk about some things that are around, you know, the risk. 
you know, we are living in a, in a pandemic right now. So what are some of the risks um, that you have planned for in the event that the country shuts down again, in the event that X, Y, Z happens? Can you explain to me some of your risk strategies to be able to remedy this? Like that's where I would start as some base questions. One more question on, on that. If what should an investor expect as far as communication after the offering is closed mm-hmm. and the project uh, is fully funded mm-hmm. and maybe it's been a year or two, mm-hmm. should the investor be able to communicate uh, with uh, the, the company or the organization that put everything together or how does yes. that work? Yes, they should. And, and I can't speak for everybody's organization but I can tell you that they should. It will vary. Every organization is different. Um, I want investors to also understand they are doing their job. So this is not something where you are going to be hitting them up every week, every other day, asking them questions. You have provided them your money to invest. Let them go do their job and make the money. (laughs) So have some grace when it comes to that. But again, like you said earlier, DJ, when these things are stated to you very early on, it eliminates the frustration of feeling like I haven't heard from so-and-so. I haven't gotten X, Y, Z. So for, what, for, for us, what we do, we let people know you will get communication twice a year. You will get a summary update of the project. And for us, because we have a, a unique model with it being very community focused, we have planned tour dates that we will allow some of our investors to be able to come and see our progress. It will not be every other month, no, but we'll have those times scheduled for you to be able to come out. If we're in a pandemic, we'll have a virtual update and share photos so you can feel that touch point. But when we talk about updates at bare minimum, even if there was no tour dates or no virtual um, meetings, you should be getting some type of communication, you know, twice a year at least of how things are going. Just like when you get your retirement up mm-hmm. a sta- statements, they come out just about every quarter. So yeah. you should be getting something at least twice a year on how things are going. Um, what with us, your last update that you get comes along with your dividend check. So it's like, here's the update and here's your dividend check. Nice. I love that. Okay. So, cause you, you give us a lot of game for an investor to pay attention to, but what if you're the actual person who is, uh, the organizer who actually is over the project, who's attracting the investors, what type of mindset uh, should you be in and what things should you be looking for as you prepare uh, to present this to the public? Okay. So I'm going to say something that doesn't necessarily have to do with your appointment to the, with the attorney. It doesn't have anything to do with the cost of your labor or materials or anything of that nature. You have to have mental toughness for this. DJ, you know, I'm a spiritual person. God gave you the vision, not them. So that means everybody's not going to see it. Everybody's not going to see the restaurant chain that you're trying to do. Everybody's not going to see the 50 unit building that you're trying to do. Everybody's not going to get it. So understand that the no's that are going to be coming down the line is going to get you closer to the correct yes. 
There are people that are already in line looking for what you have going on, but it's not going to be everybody and it's okay. So you have to have mental toughness for this and knowing that you are doing this for the right reasons. You have put forth the right energy. You've collected the right data. Those nights that you stayed up late with the calculator and you know doing your assessments and doing all your different analytical data and trying to update spreadsheets and create it, it's not wasted. You have to have mental toughness for this. When you post it on your media pages, when you send out the newsletter for the announcement and you're like, well, nobody liked it. Or I haven't heard back. Bruh, sis, I got to put it like that. They saw it. They right. saw the post. Trust me, it's the people that's not liking and not technically leaving all the comments are the ones that are watching. And those typically end up being your investors. So do not get discouraged when this process starts. You have to have the mental toughness for this because you are going to get screened People are going to be asking you questions and especially, which I would encourage you to do is following SEC regulations with this. There's a boatload of questions that's getting ready to come your way that you're like, oh, wow. Some you thought of, some you haven't thought of. And the ones that you did think of, you got to give even more details. Mm. (laughs) So that is what I would say before you start as some encouragement and not just encouragement, but that is real talk. I appreciate that. Now, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I have to ask this. Um, how is it How is it working with uh, SEC guidelines? Uh, how, if you could, I know I don't want to get you uh, talking too much, but for those who don't know, have never worked uh, by those parameters, what is that like to make sure that everything lines up? It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of work, but I can tell you that it's a certain level of security that when it's all said and done, people respect you differently. I can know, I do notice that. Like I've, I've raised money before, but yeah. not like this, you know, and to be on this, to be on a SEC approved um, offering site, knowing that, you know, when people go in to invest, I say to them, Hey, I know that you want to invest you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, but you know, per SEC regulations, we need to have you complete a survey and you need to answer a couple financial questions to make sure that um, you're you're investing what you can afford to invest because there is a tier based upon your annual income that's allowable by the SEC because they want to protect their accredited investors and their non-accredited investors. When people hear that, they're like, wow. Like, I don't feel like I'm getting gamed. I don't feel like somebody's trying to take advantage of me. So granted, it is a lot of work. We have to provide a lot of information, but I I believe on on the receiving end as a potential investor, people look at you with a certain level of professionalism because you were willing to go the extra step. So that would be my answer to that. On the other side, there are some things that are required by the SEC that I feel as though, yes, I get it. And I know why it's important, but I think that we probably need to go another step in how we qualify those that are truly ready for investments and for those that may not be ready. So sometimes they just go off of your income, but who's to say that this person didn't just win the lottery not that Mm -hmm. long ago 
and really are in a position to be able to invest in terms of here in their mind. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything versus someone that might've been making like 70 grand, you know, for the last, you know, five years, you know, reading all types of investment articles and, you know, they're, they're more creative and more savvy with their budgeting and their saving and their investments at their job and so forth. That person really could be able to make more of a better investment decision than the person that just won a lottery. So that's sometimes where I think the cookie cut decision strategies that they have kind of ruffles my feathers a little bit, but I must say all in all, when it's all said and done, your investors do look at you differently when you are able to say that you're on a SEC regulated platform. Well, I was telling you before, I really appreciate transparency when it comes to investment opportunities. Uh, a lot of times my inbox is filled with, hey, look at this, look at this. And I'm like, there's really, uh, it's really, hey, I need money mm-hmm. and I need it by this date. And it's like, okay, but where's the rest? Like, where's the full vision that, you know, that you're going to take me to? Because I want to make sure that I put my uh, good seed in gray soil and uh, watch true growth happen. Um, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that. So as someone is preparing, um, uh, preparing the offering, mm-hmm. what else should they be paying attention to? They should be paying attention. And we're going to go through some of these, um, ladies and gentlemen. And, and again, this is, we only get so much on, on the show with, with DJ here. So I would encourage you to definitely do, you know, your homework and, and work with a professional that can be able to give you the guidance um, in more detail if you're thinking about doing an offering for, for your project. And when I say, you know, offering for your project, yes, I'm in real estate. However, a lot of what I'm sharing, this applies to whether you're creating a cosmetic line, whether you're creating a clothing line, like a lot of this stuff still applies. It's, it's no different. <laughs> Nobody is saying that these are re- regulations are only for real estate. You know, like some things they may have there for specific industries, but in regards to what we're talking about today, you know, an offering is an offering and certain things are just going to be required. So one thing that you want to do is decide what type of offering do you want to provide? There's a number of um, regulations out here that you could be able to do your offering with. The two popular ones that I, that I come across are Regulation CF, which is also known as Regulation Crowdfunding, um, as well as Regulation D, which is only for really accredited investors. So you need to decide really who your target audience is going to be. That's what I'm basically saying in short. So regulation CF, you're going to have those that make um, less than a million in terms of their, their net worth. And you're going to have those that can be able to invest so much more, right? You're, you, can, you can have a, a mixed batch, I should say, under right. regulation crowdfunding. And people use it because... Again, you have that opportunity to say, hey, even if you don't have a net worth of a million dollars, you can invest 500, you can invest $1,000, and there's space for you at the table as well. Regulation crowdfunding was something that was actually pushed by the Obama administration, and that came fully into effect, I want to say somewhere around uh 2014 but he started that like back in 2012 so he wanted us to also have room at the table with the rest of the big boys and that's how regulations um crowdfunding really came in into play 
as of March 15th of this year, they actually increased the amount that you can raise under Regulation CF. When it first came into effect, you were only able to raise up to a million seventy thousand within a twelve-month cycle. Now you can raise up to five million dollars within a twelve-month cycle. Are nice. yeah, it's a big deal, a big mm-hmm. deal. And, and some people miss that announcement. I keep telling people like, if you want this information, you got to get on the quote-unquote boring websites that people aren't talking about and stay in the know. So that came into effect March fifteenth. If you are raising over a million, you do have to go through an additional audit process, which does cost some more money. Or what you could do, like what we're doing currently, we're doing a side-by-side offering. So we split it so we could be able to save some money because I'm about budgeting. So I'm like, listen, what do I what do I need to do so I don't have to go through this extra stuff? Which really, DJ, all they're doing is looking at the same documents that I already submitted. Like they're not right. asking for new numbers. I'm like, I'm not paying this money just for really like the same thing all in all. But nonetheless, so you could do a side-by-side offering as well. Um, regulation D, if you're looking at that as a, as a, as a route to go, um, and you're like, Hey, you know, this will really be for those that are in the position to write the big six figure, maybe even seven figure checks. Um, these are the people that per the sec believe are, you know, already investment savvy. They can afford to, you know, take the risk and so forth. You can do that. So identifying what type of regulation you want to go under really ties to who's going to be your target audience. So that's going to be one of the things that you want to be able to identify preferably early on. The next thing that what you want to do is be clear about what you are offering. Mm. I know it sounds That's a big one. It seems so simple. (laughs) But it's not. (laughs) But it's not. A lot of people are not clear on what they're offering. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Be clear on what you are offering. Are you offering a preferred equity option? Are you really in need of a uh, of a of a of just a line in terms of, of, of debt? Like, how are you, like, what is it that you are offering? Because every offering looks different. Some people go the preferred equity investor route. Some people say, hey, you know, I just want to have a standard line when it comes to like debt. And as you know, all your debts get paid first. So you have to decide what makes sense for you. Preferred equity investors, they get a portion of the equity. They're taking a greater risk. Because if you don't make money, they don't necessarily make money, depending on if you're also offering, you know, a portion of that profit on the on the on the back end, you know, so Mm -hmm. every deal looks a little bit different. So be clear in what you're offering. If you're doing, if you're still in the early phases, which I still count myself to be in the early phases, I am forever a student. I don't take away from anything that somebody has been doing for the last 15, 20 plus years. We we're still growing in this space. Um, In the very beginning, when you're still trying to make a stamp for yourself, be willing to give up a little bit more than what you would like. Mm, Why do you say that? Because my coach has always told me, you'll give it up once, but you won't have to give it up again. Right. So if you do it right in the very beginning, because you don't have, you know, and just going, you know, using real estate, if you're not a household name, or you can't show them, you know, a 20 plus, you know, a property uh, portfolio, 
but you mm-hmm. do know that you have a good project. Like no one can tell me that our that our Baltimore development project is not solid. Like right. I, I know that it's solid. I've, I've tested it in rooms and heard responses. I've done the study. But at the same time, I don't have 30, 44 unit buildings to say, oh, we've done X, Y, Z. So one of the things to be able to build more trust with my future network or my future investors is say, you know what? I believe this so much and I want to lock arms with you along the way that I'm willing to give up more on the profit end by you trusting and walking with us Mm. than I would actually like to. Right. Now, after this is done, let me be clear. <laughs> what comes later down the line may not, it may not look exactly the same because I've already trusted yeah. you. And you already know that you won't get your money. You already know that you're talking, you're talking to a true community-focused development leader. You already know that, oh, they're the real deal. So in the beginning, when you're first doing this, your investors may require, or you're they may not necessarily say it, but you're going to have to just give up a little bit more in the, in the very beginning. So that's that's the other part to that. So how you structure your deal is the other thing that you're going to need to discuss with your team. How much can you afford to give up? And those things will factor um, based upon, you know, your costs. Like how much is it costing you to buy whatever that product or service is that you're going to be, you know, providing? Mm-hmm. Like what is that cost? What is the what is the sale price of, of what you're providing? What's your profit in between? You know, are you are you willing to break even or are you saying, hey, if I'm able to make, you know, 20 percent on what I put in, I'll be good and I'll give up the rest. You know, right. you have to talk. You have to think about what your investment structure will look like. So it all makes sense when you have decided who your demographic is going to be. You know, I have a side a side question, a side note here, because a big part of what I'm hearing is, hey, I know I have a really great project. Not everybody has a really great project. Um, and so I'm wondering. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I say the wrong thing? No, uh, DJ, that was shade, but no shade. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. We listen. Not everybody has a great. I'm just being honest. It, it might sound great, but not everybody has a great project. So I'm wondering how how much of the, does a project play in all this as far as, well, what am I going to offer up? Because if I don't have that great of a, a project or that great of a deal, what am I really offering? Well, this is where your team that you are, and when I say your team, I don't just mean like the people that are out here doing the work with you. On, right. a on a day-to-day basis. Hopefully the attorney that you hire, hopefully the financial strategist that you're working with is going to be real with you. They were yeah. real with me. When I tell you in the beginning, you know, yes, you know, Joanna is community focused, but I'm also about my coin. I was like, how much, what, what, what we got to give up? Wait a minute, hold on. Do you know how much I've been, you know, you know, sweating and bleeding out here in this? What? And, but they yeah. explained it. So you have to have people on your team that are willing to tell you the truth and also show you this is the reason why it's worth making the sacrifice here. This is the reason why I would not add that detail or do add this detail. Yeah. So when I say your team, it's not always going to be your best friend telling you what you want to hear. These are people that you are paying for their knowledge and their expertise. And they should be telling you like, this doesn't make sense, or it does make sense. Or you know what? You're like 60% there. 
have you considered maybe changing this, adjusting this? This may actually be a little bit more attractive. The other part to that, when you were just saying about a good deal, spend time. This is another great thing that investors can do. Spend time looking at other offerings. Mm. What are they offering? Yeah. Compare. Like one of the things that I didn't in the, in the very beginning before we went public, I looked at people that were always getting their stuff funded. I was like, oh, let me look at their offering documents. Let mm-hmm. me see what are they providing? Because although our projects may be different, it's, you know, they're, they're still in the same industry. So right. what are they doing that it seems like they're always getting their stuff fully funded? And one of the things that I noticed is the fact that they were providing an attractive annual, you know, return. Um, I noticed that they were willing to share a part of their profit. So by me also doing my homework, it validated what the experts that I hired were also telling me. So right. I'm not saying that you just run with everything that they're saying, but I'm saying trust, but verify is my point. That's good. That's <laughs> trust, good. But verify. And that will also let you know whether you have a good deal or not. Understood. Oh, that was just my side note question. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, go ahead and continue. That's fine. That's fine. So we talked about identifying your demographic through, um, which will help you identify what type of regulation you think is probably going to be best for you. Um, We've also talked about, you know, your investment structure, like if you're going after, you know, if you need people to provide you more, if you want people to be more like a debt holder, or if you're looking for preferred equity investors. Now, the other thing is there's two types of equity investors. You have your preferred equity investors and you have like your common investors your preferred investors are the ones that they get paid first your common investors are those that may be like they may be like your partner in the deal so to speak they may have say over the day-to-day operations but they get paid second to your preferred equity investors your preferred equity investors have no voting rights in your business They don't have any say about what color you should paint the house, what type of appliances that you should install. All they really care about is the fact that on whatever the designated month or date that you have put in place, that they're going to get their returns, that they are getting their check. And that the project obviously is progressing and and moving along ultimately. So there are two types of equity investors. So I wanted to make sure that was clear. Um, the other part that, that will take a lot of time when we were talking earlier in regards to that four to six month time frame, and I want to give somebody a tip because um, this helped me as well. Everything that you're doing along the way matters. You should be keeping a file on your business or on your project. Keep a file, a clean file on your building costs, um, um, your, your material costs. You should be keeping a file on your soft costs in terms of, you know, your your architectural fees, your um, your building permits, you know, keep track of that. Because when it was time for us to put everything together, I literally was able to go and pull all those things because I already knew what it costs. Mm-hmm. I, the file is already there. I know how much the dumpster permit costs. I know what the building permit costs. I know on average how many you know um, d- dumpsters do we have to actually get. So what our dumpster fees are. And the reason why I'm saying this is because you're going to pull all those things together, and that's really going to be able to tell you how much do I really need to complete this project. Mm. So you already have the information. By yeah. you putting it together and packaging it, 
and putting it on the offering uh, uh, site, now it's just being polished. So keep all your things together. And what I do, I have a, I have a folder for every property that makes, that keeps it really easy. So anytime, you know, we have to get anything submitted, if I need something, I just go, oh, 538 okay 544 amen to be able to just count houses all right (laughs) that kind of hit me in my spirit a little bit but yes you want to be organized so you're pulling all of that stuff together yeah and now you're going to be able to create your ppm which will include and, and just ppm basically is guys it's it's the how can i put this i want this to be very simple ppm stands for private placement memorandum right some people just keep it general and they will say, where is your offering documents? All that basically means is where is the book that tells me about your project? Right. That's all it is. There should be a, a booklet. There should be something that's, where's the prospectus? Where is the information? And if I go here, if it's on a digital site, if it's a PDF, um, if it's printable, where can I go and actually see your capital structure? Meaning like, how much does it cost? How much financing do you need? What's what's your skin in the game? You know, what's the returns? You should go, that's what that ultimately means. There's, there's a booklet, there's some type of document that explains in detail the offering that you are putting out here for investors to be able to invest in your project. When you are doing a, a rental option, it's going to even be more detailed because you have to give information on what your capital expenditures are going to be, information on what the maintenance is. You have to show if it's over a period of years, you know, um, how much are you actually increasing the rent? Are you doing it based upon inflation? Are you, do you have a different number? And how does that factor out with, you know, um, the, 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 the actual building maintenance of, of the property. So it goes a little bit more in detail when you have ongoing costs versus if you're doing like a a standard, you know, quote unquote flip, so to speak, your flips are really in and out. Your rentals are going to be the ones that's going to be a little bit more in detail. So you're going to do projections on what that building is actually going to um, have in equity in year five or in year eight or in year 10, because depending on what your payout to your investors are going to be, if a portion of that is going to be profit, well, how do you plan on getting that profit? So in your PPM, in your offering documents, you are telling a story. So you will tell the story and you should do it in both ways that by the, and and hear me out with this statement, by selling and or refinancing all properties, you see that? Mm-hmm. I said selling and or refinancing all properties right. is how we are going to secure, so to speak, the profit to be returned to the investors. So you don't want to box yourself in an either or because you don't want to, because who knows what the equity may look like, right? right? You may not have to sell it. You may say, oh, we could actually refinance this, pay off our investors and keep the building. Right. Or depending on where it is, you may say, ah, we're going to sell everything pay our investors, keep what we decided to have for ourselves and, and so forth. So you're really packaging and putting a bow tie on all the stuff that you were already working on over whatever the time frame you know, of your business or your business, you know, idea. Um, and, and the timing is always going to be important. More than likely, you're going to probably do this in some type of Excel based, you know, um, uh, spreadsheet. So that way you can have your calculations pretty sharp. Everything is very clear for them to be able to see. So 
that's going to be, you know, in the most simplistic way if I can put it without, you know, really having you guys in a formal class <laughs> is what you're going to need as you're preparing for this, um, preparing for this offering. We still, DJ, haven't even gotten to the fact that, that per the SEC, there's a background check. Right. Mm. So what I just described was just you getting your deal together, just getting your documents together, just getting your numbers together. But there's another side that you have to go get a background check. There is, you know, other documents that you have to pay for, like securities exchange checks and things like that. But as long as you know, nobody's really looking for you and you're not looking for nobody, you should be pretty good. You'll get the green check. You'll be like, okay, great. And you'll move on. Um, So that is the other part to it. So we talked about, you know, making sure that your market analysis is clear. We talked about, you know, having those offering documents that will include, you know, your performa, which is basically your financial statement of what this property will cost over X period of time. And again, these are projections, but your projections need to be as close as possible. If it's a couple cents off, that's okay. But what you're doing, you're showing good faith to your potential investor that you've done the numbers, this is what you're looking at at, as a return to be able to help them go back and make a decision and say, okay, this makes sense. I see the meat on the bone. I see where I could be able to make a profit. And I also see where this company can walk away with something decent as well. It makes sense. I'm ready to invest. Um, And last but not least in here, and I kind of alluded to this early on, I can't stress enough your risk strategies. You need to include that in your documents because we are living in a pandemic and you have to have your what if, what Mm -hmm. if, right? So for example, um, one of the things that we have put in our documents is just stating that, you know, in the event that we have a year at a loss and we're not able to pay our um, investors their dividend, but going into the following year, let's say things pick up, right? Because like last year was a loss for a lot of people. Now 2021, things are picking up. Our investors would get a double dividend. They would get the dividend from the previous year and including the dividend for the current year. You want to have these things already in your documents because it removes the questions that's in the back of the person's head, bring it to the front and have them already answered. How are you able to think of all these different scenario, scenarios. I know you talked about having a really great team, yeah. but I mean, you're coming from every angle. If this happens, then we do that. If that happens, then we do this. So you're looking at things from so many different angles just in case, you know, you know what, what could happen. So how did you get into that mind frame to be able to see things from so many different angles? I mean, honestly, it's the same thing. Our team has been sharp. These are not, these are not new people. These are, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) experienced attorneys that have been working with investment firms. These are experienced investing platforms. My financial strategist, he's, he was experienced. So he's also throwing these questions at me, you know? And again, for me, this wasn't my first time. This is our first time raising on a, on a million dollar plus level, but this wasn't my first time actually raising, you know, OPM in a sense to do a project. So some of this comes from questions that I got early on when people were asking me questions about just investing, you know, $30,000 and that's all I needed, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. so I took that information. And I said, okay, where can I do better? 
Mm -hmm. And where do I want to make sure that people um, have the information that they need from the very beginning? So there's a part of me that is also like the less questions I have to have asked later, the better. Because honestly, all I want to do, like a lot of other developers out here, is just focus on my project and work. I don't want people having to blow our office up with a crap load of questions. So when people go to our offering page, which I'll show you in a second, they will see a lot of information. I've had people tell me, oh, you oh, you were you weren't playing. <laughs> this, this is real. And I'm like, yes, this yeah. is real. We don't want people guessing about comps. We have hyperlinks. So if you're questionable about if our properties are going to sell, here you go. Here's 123 Market Street. It's within this distance from yeah. us. Click it. You can see it. Everything is fact-checked. When I tell you about our market analysis and I say, oh, and by the way, we're walking distance from Penn Station and Penn Station is actually getting ready to, you know, have a $90 million renovation. Oh, really? Here's the hyperlink. Boop, takes you right to the business journal. So on this site, and this also comes from the SEC as well, part of it, yes, I can say, because a part of it, I was getting ready to say it, it was our platform regulation, but I think this also came from the SEC. Anything that you state, this is why I also like having regulated SEC sites, anything that you state down to your own title of your job, it has to be verified. Mm, Wow. It it has to be verified. So when you go on to our offering site, or if you pull up our, um, our PPM, there are reference points at the bottom. So if I, even when I was given the description of just the, the background history on Baltimore and how Baltimore City was created and how at one point it was actually connected to Baltimore County and what, at what year it ended up being divided, I had to go to the article and hyperlink that. That's a fact check down to how many people actually reside in the area that we're looking to build. I had to fact check that. I can't say, I remember, and I was like, what, like, really? Because I said, I had said something like, you know, our area, um, what we're seeing is mostly like millennials, you know, moving in that have at least one child. They was like, where's the reference point for that? Right. <laughs> I said, oh, shoot. Okay. But I had the information. So yeah. we, we are very much, you know, a trust and verify. That's the reason, that's how we have this thing, you know, really set up. What I loved when I first saw, and you can go ahead and uh, pull that page up. Uh, when I first saw it, what I really loved is I get to see the full ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm big on how does this impact the ecosystem overall, right? And so that's what I really love. And I know you're pulling it up now for those who have access to the video on our Patreon. Um how does this project impact the rest of the ecosystem? How does the ecosystem impact the project? To me, those are so important. But a lot of times when people are bringing investments, it's just about that investment. And it's like, well, I really want to know about the full community. I want to know about how everybody is going to benefit or not benefit uh, mm-hmm. from this project. But yes, go ahead, I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, you're that very valid point. And, and I thank you for, for recognizing that. So people could actually go to smallchange.co. And Mm -hmm. um, the other part that investors, not investors, but the person that is actually providing the opportunity to invest, Mm -hmm. 
decide what type of platform you want to be on because every platform is different. I, as of right now, my experience with smallchange.co has been very positive. Um, they've made sure to put us to work. I could tell you that for sure. <laughs> um, but they are a website that really promotes socially conscious developers. So I knew just from the screening that I had to go through to even get the opportunity to be on this website was a big deal. It was not, okay. You had a question there? Well, yeah. Well, that also helps with alignment because if this website is specifically for socially conscious projects, then that means if they've invested in other socially conscious projects, they're already coming to this website anyway to look for future uh, opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that's why we decided to really go with them. And you can see here on our page. So you can go to smallchange.co and when you click on projects, you'll see that you have a couple different options on how you can look for a project. You can look at all projects. You can look at projects that are really catered to affordable housing, minority-led, women-led, creative economy. There's a number of ways that you could be able to filter this. If you're looking for ours, our project is called Aruka Midway. So Aruka, I'm really big on words, DJ, stands for restore in Hebrew and Midway is actually the section of the city that we're focusing on. Nice. And if, if you go to either minority led, women led, um, you'll actually see you'll actually see our project. So we need some more ladies here, DJ, because when we click on women led, it's only like three of us on here. Um, we still have a lot of men that are leading, you know, in, in this uh, on this platform, specifically when it comes to offering their, their projects. Um, they also have those that are just for accredited investors. We talked mm. about that earlier. So yeah. if, if you know that you are doing something for accredited investors, they could click on it. It'll take you right to it. So that's that, uh, how you can find us. When you come to the page, you'll see me at the top. We actually use videos from our um, documentary that we're putting together. So that way you could be able to learn a little bit more about me. Um, you'll also see some people that have done videos that are strictly just for their offering. I must tell you that I was not even thinking about videos when I first did this, but when the attorneys saw the fact that we had these documentary clips, they said, no, this is connecting with the people. This is raw. This is authentic. You know, definitely you can use it. Now, what we did have to do on the back end, there has to be certain language. So if you were to watch this video again, um, you will see that there is language at the bottom stating how old you have to be to be able to invest. And there is some protective language that will be on the back end of the videos. So what mm. am I saying? You cannot just go in your backyard and do a video and say, I'm raising money and throw it up on a page. That is not SEC regulated. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. You really want right. to make sure you have the right language. Um, and then we go right into, um, you'll see on the, the uh, well, on my right side of the page, you'll see how much we've raised so far in regards to our minimum, where we're looking to get for our maximum, how many days we have left, how many investors so far, and then where you can actually download the disclosure packet. It's right there at the top. It's not hidden. You click on it. You see all our information. Um, you can see the button to click on if you want to be able to actually invest. We also have offering highlights. So we know it's a lot of information. So if you wanted to just see like, okay, what's the big, what's the, what's the real highlight, you know, of this, if I was to be able to invest, you could see how much on a proposed investment, what you're expected to um, get back, what type of investment type this is for, the annual returns, how long the project is, how much of our profit we're actually returning, and we let you know what type of fund structure we are. So it's already there for you. You don't have to look for it. It's not hidden. Um, 
Thank you. And as you can see here, we talk about the project. So just like I was just sharing with you about those hyperlinks, right? So right here on the first sentence, it's hyperlinked about Baltimore City, how mm -hmm. long they've been vacant. Um, we, uh, the funny thing is, you know, some of our team members in putting this together, they're, they're not on this coast. So they never, they were like, Charm City, what's that? <laughs> so I had to let them know, like, Charm City is like the nickname yeah you know, baltimore city and but guess what you see his hyperlink i had to verify that even that wow. i had to verify you gotta verify charm city come you on you gotta now. verify charm city right <laughs> yes absolutely and now when you click on this and you hit on about the project mm. now this is where you can see all of the details and as you can see here we let people know just the overall about what we're doing in this area but then we get very specific to the actual project that's at the actual phase of the project that's being offered for those to be able to invest why do we do this because we want people to know there's more to come right it's not just this it's, it's definitely you know more to come so we have this structured here we have links to learn more about opportunity zones and a tax code but we had to let them know you know, how we're structured. Um, we let them know in regards to, you know, um, where we're located, what two blocks we're looking at, how big the homes are going. Like we go in depth in here. Um, and again, more verifiable information because you have to share about the market. So we said to them, you know, this side of the, this side of the world, you know, Baltimore is looked upon as the future East Coast tech hub. Well, mm -hmm. what did I have to do? Verify. Verify that information so this mm -hmm. will take you to an article that breaks down why baltimore is being looked upon as the future east coast tech hub i love verify because a lot of people just be talking right <laughs> they just be saying that hey our city is going to do this and it's like well i don't know if it's really going to do that so yeah. i love the fact that you had to verify uh just to keep everything uh up front and honest yes yes absolutely um we did have to share about our team so yeah. this is where you have to come and this is talking about your day to day team right so you had we had to be able to have conversation, you know, with our team members and letting them know like hey guys we're looking to go and do something that's pretty public, you know, is it going to be okay for us to have people to be able to find you and, and look into who mm -hmm. you are, this is why. Oh, goodness, how can I put this. Uh -oh. <laughs> go ahead now. Go ahead now. Okay, this is why you cannot just be working with every and anybody Yep. because you don't know when the opportunity is going to come where it's time for you to be able to put this type of stuff out mm -hmm. and you need to be and, and and being honest right and i'm not saying that some people may not hide who they work with but i'm saying if you're willing to be transparent and be out there and be an honest you know organization letting your investors know who's involved in your project you want to be careful whose name you're willing to associate yourself with. So these links here will take you to either their website or take you to their profile on LinkedIn. So you know who these, who these individuals that we're working with are. Uh, we give a timeline breakdown. We have some drone shots, some other pictures here in our carousel. So you can be able to see, you know, plans. Like we put it out there. So that's another question that people want to know. Well, how is it going to look? Well, if you go to our offering site, it gives you an idea of what these houses yeah will actually look like from the basement level, which is here on the left, all the mm -hmm. way up to the third floor. You know, we had these things here for a reason, because these are the type of questions, you know, that, that do, you know, um, come up. 
um, we actually have some photos here of us in the mix of it, right? So this is why I tell people and I have to, you know, sometimes, you know, smack my hand because I sometimes forget when I'm on site, take pictures mm -hmm. because those are conversations and moments you can't get back. Right. You're in the mix of it every day as a developer, as the leader of the business, your investors are not. So when you're sending those updates, you want to be able to send photos showing like, okay, you know, hey, we're starting it. We, we started demo on three more properties, have some demo pictures in there, or hey, we're, we're at, you know, the drywall and paint phase, have some of those photos in there, you know, having this stuff type of stuff is really, really helpful. It shows them like, oh, wow, like they're really in here. They really actually have the lumber positioned here to start the framing, right? So um, we have that here. Now, one of the things I like about smallchange.co, DJ, and, you know, guys, as you can tell, I live and breathe this. I can talk forever about it, but I really want to show you how detailed we are and how much I encourage you to be detailed, because if you do this from the front end, you should have less questions on the back end. Mm -hmm. And you smack this with a really great marketing strategy, which I must be honest, we, we didn't necessarily focus as much on the marketing as we probably should have. But for those that really have it to go heavy on the marketing, your project should kick off very, very well. They have what they call a small change index. People want to know information about your area. So as you can see here, DJ, you can see the three things that, that stood out from their index, mobility, community, economic vitality. Mm. And so they just automatically do that for you. You have to complete the information. It's okay. a survey. You, you fill it in. Right. You have to complete. But then I didn't know it was going to look like this. And, right. and they put it on the page so people could people be able to say, see, at glance, urban location is walkable it's bike friendly you know That's okay awesome. so there it's it's near um you know um green features mm -hmm. uh, there opportunities you know for me to be able to invest in what's considered to be an underserved community um, right. affordable how you have stuff that's right there at glance yeah that's beautiful yeah yep so um they can go here learn a little bit more about me we have our deal highlights that are at at, at glance there. And then we just go right into the market. If I open this up here, you're going to see the whole market analysis. Um, and what I'm going to do is scan down what I was talking about earlier. So again, trust, but verify, see what it says. Now it's population is increasing with millennials on an average age of 35 and average income of 70,000 with at least one child verify. So we have hyperlinks there. We are stating, you know, what the houses are expected to sell for. Now, although we may not be starting at some of these numbers, we're already letting you know by at least providing, what's this, six comps, what homes are selling for when they actually sold, the actual dates, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, and the sale price. You can click on this and it's going to take you directly to somebody else's project. So it shows you the comps. And we also did it for rentals in the area too. Nice. Because we're doing both um, properties that we are selling for home ownership and those that we are providing rental options for. Um, that's uh, Thomas Brokar, one of our architectural designers. Um, we have a section here on opportunity zones because we are in a opportunity zone area. And then we go right in here with the offering. So now we get more into the breakdown. We've already shared about the market. We shared about, you know, who we are. People want to get to the numbers. So this here is able to provide you with more detail. It tells you how many properties, you know, um, 
it's going to be mixed income, how many units that will be equivalent to what our minimum is. And it also shows you here, you know, what the uh, minimum of the investor is. It also tells you that we are doing a side-by-side -side offering and what that minimum is under Regulation D. And love if it, I love and thank you. And I want to show you one other thing that's really helpful. That's Mr. Roy Dickey. That's one of our lead GCs. The um, if I if we go here to the return, right? So under the finances, you'll see the total cost of the project. You'll see how much um, we've put in. But if I was to go here under the return, it tells you the order of how funds are paid out. Mm. So how everything is returned out, right? And it gives you a little grid that shows you when your preferred returns start. So in this here, it shows you our first year is a build out year. Years two through seven is when you will actually start to get um, that when you would get dividends. This shows you what your total dividend return would be on that $2,000 investment if somebody did mm -hmm. that. And it also shows you what your percentage, what you would get based upon that 60% prorata that you would receive on year seven. So at the bottom there, it shows you what your total return would be if you invested $2,000. So it gives you a really clear um, breakdown. And, and one other thing I wanna show you here um, is, well, it's two things about the risk. So we talked about those risk strategies. If I click mm -hmm. here, it'll show you all of that. But I wanted to show you one other thing here where our pro forma is located because we, we uploaded this as a, as a hyperlink if they scroll down, they'll see here the anticipated project costs, the resources. So if you are a, um, if you're or organization that is receiving any type of grants and things of that nature, include that, you know, in here, let them know where your sources are really coming from. And then if they click on financial projections, I'm not going to click on it because it'll take us out of the screen, but okay. this would take us to the performa that actually breaks down everything you know down to the very needle so yes we are transparent i encourage other other people to do the same i'm gonna do a stop share now um, to do the same because this eliminates a lot of questions um, and you can actually lead you know your potential investors to the sections on the offering where they can get more detail i think this could also help out the person who's putting this together how often have you uh, had a question of your own mind, like, wait, what were we doing again? And you said, well, let me go back to what we've already established as a as a baseline, as a resource, just to remind myself, yes. of, you know, what's, what's currently going on in this, especially if you're working on multiple projects. Yes. <laughs> I told you I had to have files for each house. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely exactly. correct. Yes. Well, Joanna, I want to, first of all, uh, commend you uh, for those who don't know, Go back and listen. I'm, uh, it's in the show notes. Go back and listen to our first conversation and just see the growth of where we are today. And then I know the next conversation is going to be even more growth uh, as things continue to expand and grow. Uh, so first, I want to say thank you for um, having that community mindset. Thank you. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your company, all the work that you're doing. Uh, you've been very open with us uh, from the very beginning as far as uh, keeping us in the loop of what's going on. And so I want to thank you for that as well. And then now I want to thank you. Uh, it's a lot of thank yous. But I <laughs> want to thank you for giving back mm -hmm. and providing uh, somewhat of a blueprint where people can pay attention to if they, if they are deciding 
hey, this is the direction that I want to go in. A lot of times people, uh, investors, developers, whoever it may be, they go out and they do these great things and then we never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. And so you've been in constant communication and I want to thank you for stopping by How to Acquire. Of course, this will also be a bonus episode on Black Equity Podcast, as always. Uh, so I want to thank you, thank you, thank you. Any final thoughts for uh, our audience, especially someone who's looking uh, mm -hmm. to provide an offering in the future? Uh, final thoughts, I would say, is just do it. Don't overthink the process. Um, go back and listen to this show. You know, connect yourself, whether it be through Clubhouse or whether it be reading different books, you know, on on offerings and learn about this. Like turn your car into your classroom. Um, DJ, you asked a question earlier, like how did I get here today? You know, some of these things that I learned being a financial coach early on um, really plays right into what I'm doing today. So none of what you've done in the early years are wasted, guys. Even the days that it seemed like it was long, you didn't get the return you were looking for. None of that is wasted. Keep notes of everything that you're doing because you can really pull that stuff together and be able to package it well. Like we're doing things that are connected to when I used to work as a formal social worker that's benefiting us yep. in real estate, right? So we can be able to say, how much our building cost is. And I had somebody ask me this the other day, well, how is your building cost somewhat low in a time where, you know, it's increasing? Well, when you understand business structure, right? And you understand the benefit of having a nonprofit, well, this is where you can go and ask intentional questions and say, hey, do you have leftover lumber? Do you have tile that you're not using? Um, because some of these places, they need a tax write-off too. So we can be able to get some of this stuff. We can get, you know, refurbished wood from good homes that had solid bones and use that in our project, right? So that's helping us control some of the costs. And that doing those extra steps and having those things donated through our nonprofit that also supports our for-profit help us control the cost. But we have to understand that plugging in is just not in a moment. Plugging in means being consistent over time. So if you know that at some point you wanna provide an option that is of value because anybody can provide an offering. Somebody can go tonight. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Anybody can do this. But if you want to do something of value, take into consideration the steps that you have gone through in the past, pull all those things together, think outside the box, be willing to pay the team, be willing to pay for the experts to guide you along the way. I don't know everything. I'm able to come here and share a lot of this with you because I've paid for the coaching. I've paid for the experts to guide me along the way. God gave me the vision, but he also asked me to have wisdom. And I get wisdom from bringing experts in so we could be able to come and bring something that's of, of true value to, to our community. Um, so I thank you, DJ, for always allowing me to, you know, share with you, update you, let you know what's going on. Thank you for continuing to just watch us, you know, along the way. You, you told me, I think in the first podcast, you wasn't going anywhere. You'll be checking in. That's and right. You did exactly that. So I'm really excited to see what's happening. And um, I encourage people to go and check out smallchange.co, look at our offering, look at it, um, read it, you know, share it out. If you feel, you know, moved to do something else, that's totally up to you. But for anything, use it as an educational model of what you could actually do. Because trust me, if I could do it, you can too. Joanna, thank you so much for uh, stopping through. And we'll be talking to you again very, very soon. All right. Thank you, DJ.
if you enjoy this conversation, I want you to head to the link that's in the show notes. And I want you to RSVP for the upcoming investor call on August 19th. I want you to be there, even if you're not necessarily looking to invest in a project. If this is your first time having this opportunity, I want you to learn. This is, for me, educational, where I want investors to be prepared to uh, know everything that's coming in front of them, knowing exactly how to acquire, what to look for, what to accept, what not to accept, right? And so you're only going to do that with experience. It's one thing to read a book. It's one thing to listen to a podcast. But it's another thing to actually live it and have it part of something that you've actually accomplished and actually done. So join us for the investor call with O'Hara Development Partners. We're really excited about this conversation on August 19th. And you'll have first access to RSVP because you're listening to the podcast. So thank you again for tuning in to this bonus episode. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Black Equity Podcast.